He's looking towards the door, and I can tell he feels he's drawn the short straw being left with me. I'm going across now. He pulls his wallet out of his trouser pocket and signals to the waitress at the other end of the counter, her order pad and pencil slack in her hand as she chats to a customer. He glances back at me. See you there. Not tonight. Sure. I drag my attention away from the photos to give him an explanation. The thing is, Francis, I'm a bit of a fraud. It wasn't even a bad mugging. It was a couple of kids. They couldn't have been more than twelve or thirteen. They grabbed my bag, but I hung on tight, and then they ran off. I'm telling the truth. There was no great drama. It was a fairly half-hearted mugging, but nevertheless... It was enough to push an already anxious me deeper into a free-floating anxiety that never quite leaves me. It's a cliché, isn't it? But as soon as a couple of things go wrong, you get the overwhelming feeling that life is slipping out of your control, that fate's cruel hand has you in its grasp, and it's only a matter of time before the hand tosses you carelessly toward the drain. You said last week that the mugging was the final straw, Francis tells me. I did? You talked about your husband. He pauses before saying, and about how anxious you've become recently. That makes me wince. I have a horrible feeling I said far too much at last week's meeting. Air pushes into my lungs and I stand up, feel the pulse in my neck pick up pace. You probably know more about me than my close family do. I search his face to see whether I'm right, but he's not giving anything more away. What did I say? Did I rant and rave about the bitch who stole my life? Did I mention that Tom had left me to seek, in his words, greater intimacy and friendship? That I spent weeks oscillating between shock and tears, and that now I am a basket case of checking and checking and yet more checking, over and over like a stuck record? The waitress comes across and Francis settles his bill, then gathers up his coat and umbrella. Can I get you anything? The waitress says to me, her pen poised above her pad. No, thank you. I reach for my bag just as Francis is heading outside, follow him out onto the street and shout after him. Wait! I'm going to come to the meeting. It's the lesser of the evils. I'll only sit here chewing my nails, worrying about what I said last week. You shouldn't worry. He raises an umbrella that's large enough and sturdy enough to shelter us both and not be overwhelmed by the strength of the wind and rain. We're all in the same boat. That's the whole point of the group. We fall into step and jog across the road, hopping over the rush of water in the gutters. We're through the doors and into the meeting hall before I can catch my breath. Trish and Pam have arranged the chairs in a circle and almost half of them are already taken. Several people look up as we come into the room and Sharon, the police liaison officer who runs the group, calls out. Welcome. Glad you've both made it. I walk to the far side of the circle and sit beside a young woman, a girl, really, with pale skin, huge grey eyes and curly, faded red hair piled up in her head. On my other side is a man of about sixty wearing a thick woolen jumper of the sort I associate with hardy fishermen. The girl I don't remember having seen before, but the man has been here every Thursday evening for the last five weeks, and I have yet to hear him speak. I slide my coat onto the back of the chair and look around the circle.
taking a few seconds to catch my breath. The age range must be from about 18 to 80, and they are both men and women. Some of them are timid, limbs held close to their bodies as they avoid catching anyone's eye, while others are straight-backed and open-faced, communicating their encouragement to relax. We're all friends here. Except that we're not friends. Our common denominator is an unusual one. We are all victims of crime, a motley crew of the sad and the frightened. Some crimes are serious, chillingly so, hence the reason I came to the meetings for four weeks before I had the nerve to say anything, the crime against me being minor by anyone's reckoning. Trish and Pam are both to my left, while Francis is opposite me. His metal chair scrapes across the faded wooden floor with a high-pitched screech as he rearranges it to sit down on.